Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. This is episode number 37 for June 2015. Well, it may be June, but as I record, it is anything but summer out there. The rain is lashing and wind is blowing, so uh, let's hope the weather in Ireland gets a little bit better uh, very quickly. My name is Stuart Lawler. Thanks, as always, for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. I hope you're going to stay with me for the next 55 or so minutes because Sharon Lyons is along with more shortcuts. This time we're talking about the importance of saving documents. I visit the DigiPlace for All launch event and meet with lots of people and we hear lots of excerpts from some of the presentations that took place on the day and finally we end with an absolutely super video if you do nothing else in relation to this podcast listen to the very end because daniel daly is the star of the show and more about that later on that's all coming up on this month's edition of ncbi's technology podcast Starting us off this month, thank you to everybody who's been getting in touch with us. It's always lovely to hear from listeners to our technology podcast. Um, in particular, Sharon's Shortcuts, our new series with uh, technology trainer Sharon Lines, has received a lot of really positive feedback. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that when we're with Sharon in a couple of minutes. You can always get in touch with us with comments, suggestions, criticisms, ideas for content, anything that you want to talk about uh, by sending an email to technologypodcast at NC. CBI.ie. And thanks to those people who have made suggestions on things that we might like to cover in the next couple of months. And we're doing one or two bits of preparation in relation to those already. So if you have ideas or there's something you'd like to submit, please do send an email, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. It's always nice to hear from our listeners. On last month's edition, I mentioned Netflix audio description. Well, it's been talked about a lot in the blind and vision impaired community, both nationally and internationally. And the range of audio described content is being added to almost every couple of days over in this part of the world. If you're interested in political dramas, you might like to take a look at House of Cards, which is the Netflix commission series and the ones, the one that lots of people have been talking about. It's kind of got me hooked on Netflix for the last couple of days, I have to say. Uh, that is now available uh, as well. And audio description will work on your iPhone or iPad or indeed your Apple TV and is also supported on PC, Mac systems and my understanding is on a range of Android devices. So uh, do check that out. Great initiative by Netflix and I think one that uh, we need to keep supporting and hopefully the content will continue to be added in that vein. Now, our technology podcast celebrates three years. Uh, It was 2012, June in 2012 when we started off. We're three years old this month and I just want to very quickly thank everybody for their support. Ultimately, it's you, the listeners, who decided that this podcast should keep going. We started for a three-month pilot and we at NCBI weren't actually sure if there was maybe too much already in this technology space. Clearly there wasn't and listeners voted overwhelmingly with your feedback to keep it going and here we are three years later. So, Thank you sincerely to everybody, both inside and outside NCBI, for your ongoing support and uh, making this podcast what it is. And again, remember that all-important email address, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie, if you'd like to get in touch. (music) 
it's time once again on NCBI's technology podcast uh, to bring back Sharon Lyons for a regular feature, Sharon's Shortcuts. Welcome back, Sharon. Hello, Stuart. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Um, we've got some really good reaction, nice reaction to your shortcuts. Barry mm-hmm. O'Donnell sent an email in saying he hopes I it's going Barry. to be a regular event, and it Great. is indeed. Great. He finds it very useful. And remember, you can email us anytime at technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. I understand you had some feedback from one of our own colleagues in the field, so to speak. That's right, yeah. One of the uh, NCBI IT trainers, who's also a big fan of, uh, of the podcast, um, mentioned that um, and requested, actually, that a lot of people don't always know all the qu- keyboard shortcuts for saving documents or saving anything in, in any application, actually, because it's all very similar. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk a bit about saving it's one of the most, I suppose, fundamental things, isn't it? When you're, mm. when you're using, uh, and I, I, I always tell the story about my sister years ago. Mm-hmm. She was using uh, WordPerfect. I'm going really back in time now, by the way, and half the people listening to this won't know, but it was a very old word processor. Mm-hmm. And she was working on a, a, an, an assignment for a college, a huge thing, and it said, would you like to save? And she just hit no without thinking. And it was gone. The whole and, and I spent a lot of time trying to recover it and was unable to do so. And oh, no. I wasn't very popular. But I suppose saving and understanding there are different ways of saving and mm-hmm. there are different maybe methods to saving. So that's what we mm-hmm. thought we'd spend a bit of time talking about today. Well, I mean, now uh, these days Word would be much more forgiving for something <laughs> like that. Because <laughs> that's yeah. every computer's user's nightmare is yeah. losing some work. Gosh, yeah. I really feel for your sister yeah. at that point. It was, it was a tough one. Yeah. Oh, dear. But um, yeah, so... So Word would include things like auto-save. Um, you have settings where you can get it to save every, gosh, 10 minutes or something like that. It'll save your changes. Um, but I'll, I'll talk a bit about how I, how I get out of <laughs> that trap of, of losing things um, as we go through. Okay. So, so, so I suppose even, even though Word is, is doing the auto-save, which you've just mentioned, it's probably good habit and best practice because we don't necessarily know what way the autosave might be set up. Yes. So we should be saving anyway, shouldn't we? Doing yeah. that every so often, is your, if it's something important that you want to keep, keep saving. And of course, um, it's best to, to do it yourself, then you have the peace of mind. You okay, know, you okay, know. all right. So you're, you're working in Word, and there are, there are different, I suppose, ways to save, isn't it? There's the save and the save as, and sometimes people confuse those because they do s- slightly different things. Yeah, that's right. So if I actually um, open up a document here, so I'll, I'll tell you, I, I like the desktop. I like shortcuts on the desktop, which I'll, I'll talk about a bit during this. Um, and I have a shortcut on the desktop for Word, so I'll do Windows D. Windows D, desktop, folder view, list view. And I'll do W for Word. W, Word 2010. Oh, first time, okay. Answer, Microsoft Word document, document 1-Microsoft Word. Again, we should say edit. we are using JAWS, but these are all, you know, generic, aren't they, keystrokes? Yeah, they're definitely standard keystrokes. These are actually keystrokes that I use all the time, every day, and I'm not a JAWS user. So okay. they, they're not particular to JAWS or NVDA or Zoom text. So... Um, so we're just using JAWS because you get a running commentary of what I'm doing on, on the screen. So I'll just uh, type something in here. Here we go. Shortcuts. Welcome to Sharon's Shortcuts. There we go. Okay, so we have a text document here that we want to save. And when we go to save something for the first time, um, we just do Control-S. 
Now, some people like the, the file menu because there's always several ways of doing the same thing. So some people go to the file menu and go down to save, but Control-S will do it directly. But just for, for those people who are file menu fans, I do Alt-F for file. Alt-F, file menu, save, to move through items, press up or down arrow. Free first option. It is the first option, okay. is save, okay. So um, that will do the same thing as if I come out to press escape. Escape, leave escape, document one. And press Control-S. Control S, save as dialogue, file name colon, edit combo, welcome to Sharon, zero items, to set the value, use the arrow keys or type the value. Alt. Okay, so um, when we go to save, Control S, or you go to the file menu and save, it will go into the save as dialogue and it asks you for a name, file name, and it guesses what your file name should be by uh, basically looking at what the first line of text is. So it's got Welcome to Sharon Shortcuts or something to that effect. So I can just save, I can change it, I can call it Test, maybe. Test, Podcast. Podcast, okay. Space. And and then I can just press Enter. So if I press Enter... Test for podcast, print view, edit. And now it's, it's called my document test for podcast. And, uh, and it's saved. But the question is at this point, where, where is it? it? Where <laughs> it because I suppose that's the other thing, isn't it? When you're saving a document, and this maybe goes hand in hand with something we might look at in the future, the whole idea of file management and understanding mm-hmm. you know, where things are. You can have documents all over the place, and then you need to find something quickly. And if you don't have a from day one a good folder structure mm-hmm. it becomes very difficult doesn't it so it's very important to organize your files so you kind of know where to find things now having said that in windows 7 and 8 i think you have the possibility of typing something in to search for it yeah. so i mean i could press the start menu menu search box edit type text that is edit fielder okay and i can type in um I don't know, if I thought, oh, I know the word podcast is in the file, so I could type P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And then I can arrow down through the search results. And this this works in Windows 8, I believe, as well. Podcast. Documents left parent to right parent test for podcast. My and there God, it that's is. very good, yeah. So it, it does pick it up. But having said that, that um, there's not a lot of stuff on this computer at the moment because it's... Um, it's a, it's a training computer, so it's, it's, it doesn't have a lot of files on it. So um, another f- computer may be a bit more complicated, and there may be more files. You might not, it might be, not be so easy to find. But anyway, let's just come back. Escape, escape, leaving menu, alt tab, test for podcast, dash Microsoft. Here we go. So we're back in our document. Um, so the other thing people ask a lot about is the, the save as option. So we've got saving a word document to begin with and we have the save as is when you want to change the name or create a copy of the file and under a different name or when you want to change where the file is going to be saved so it's kind of giving you more options yeah i, I suppose just to the standard save 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 which which only i suppose adds to the file isn't it, it doesn't allow you to change the name yeah it's um so you have the original file it's, it's fine. You're, so you're saving a copy of it um, and changing the name, uh, possibly. And the beauty of that is that if you have a document that you, um, that you rather like, you have it all set out quite nicely, and you want to create another document 
that looks very similar and maybe just some of the details have changed, you can just save as, change the name and it will save a copy in, in the same place as the original. And then you can go in and, uh, and change the details. So it's very handy for uh, maybe for things like meeting agendas or, or something like that where you'd have the same items on a meeting agenda maybe from month to month but you might have a few new items as well. So it's, it's very useful for, for doing that. And to save as, the keyboard shortcut is F12. Now we can always use the file menu again, so for the file menu fans, Alt F. Alt F, file menu, save, to move through items, press up or down arrow S, save as A. So it's the next one down from save in the file menu, save as. Um, but I'll come out of that. Escape, escape. And I'll just do F12, which does the same thing. F12, save as dialogue, file name, colon, edit combo, test for podcast, zero items, to set the value, use the arrow keys or type the value, Alt N. So I could change the name and it will make a copy of my podcast file by just typing in a different name there. And when you do type in the file name, it replaces the previous file name with the new file name. So you don't have to try and delete what's there. So you don't have to delete the name first. As long as you haven't arrowed around at all, it's actually selected the whole file name. So I could give it a different name. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it a different location. Okay. So... In this case, I need to move around the dialog box for Save As. And I actually, and a lot of people do this in different ways, but what I do is I Shift-Tab. So I hold down the Shift and press Tab, usually twice, to get to the um, list of files. So Shift-Tab. Shift-Tab, Shell Folder View, Items View, List Box, Shift-Tab, I-Squared. Now, I-Squared is the first folder in the documents on these computers. So I know I'm in my documents because it's I, AI squared actually, but JAWS says I squared, which is just to do with the soft, other software that's on this computer. But um, I can arrow down. Click guide to Outlook files. Outlook files. Say, for example, I want to save it in Outlook files. So I can press Enter to open that. Save as dialog, explorer pane, shell folder view, items view, list box read only. To move to an item, press the arrow keys. Okay, so I've selected that folder. There's nothing actually in there, so it's not giving me any other options. So I'll now tab twice again to get to the file name. Tab, items, tab, file name, colon, edit combo, test for podcast, zero items. To set the value, use the arrow keys or type the value, all dead. So I'm just going to save a copy of this file in a separate folder, so I can press enter on that now. Print view, edit. I think the important thing to say about this as well is that, you know, the... That might sound like a lot of steps, but as you do this frequently, you will just, you know, shift-tab twice. And, and mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. if you have your folders set up or if you know where you're going to save something, it makes life so much easier, mm-hmm. uh, both to, to find the location that you're saving in and then obviously to find the file later on. Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a good file structure, a good organisation of files, which, which makes sense to you as well. So you, you have freedom to create whatever file structure you like um, on the computer. So something that works for you, um, meaningful names for folders, meaningful names for files that are going to help you recognise what's what in your file system. Yeah. Okay, so we've saved our file in the Outlook 
files folder, which is a, a subfolder, I suppose. Yeah. And, and and obviously, you know, we could save that file anywhere. If there was a memory stick in the computer, mm-hmm. we could we could save it onto the memory stick either. Isn't that right? That's right. That's right. If you're saving it to a memory stick, I use the same method, but um, I actually go back up through wherever whatever file system I'm in, whatever folder I'm in, I go back up through the file system until I get to the desktop. And it, it just means that I, um, I can access the, all the different parts of the computer much easier. Shall I show you that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if I wanted to save it to... Um, actually, I don't actually have a memory sticking, but I'll show you the idea... Um, so I could do F12. F12. Save as dialog. File name colon. Edit combo. Test for podcast. Zero items. To set the value, use the arrow key. So we're on the file name again. So I shift tab twice to look at the location. Shift tab. Shift tab. Test for podcast. Okay. Um, and do you remember I was in the Outlook Files folder at this yep. point? So now I'm going to use the backspace key as if um, I was deleting a letter, but in a kind of file environment or file list, the backspace will take me up a level in the folders, if that makes sense. So I'll go up a level. Shell folder view. I'll Shell go up folder again. view. Items view list box. I squared. Zero seven. Okay. Sle- Shell folder view. Items view list box. Documents. Library. One to four. Shell folder view. Items view list box. Libraries. System folder. One to eight. Two. And actually, if I keep going, it won't go any oh, further. Okay which means I'm on the desktop. So I've gone right up to the top level, and then I can go down. Trading 5, computer. And the computer setting means I can go in, and if I have any um, memory sticks in computer, um, I'd be able to arrow down to them. Okay. The other, the other uh, area that I just wanted to touch on, because it relates to Save As, Sharon, is mm-hmm. that you know nowadays people are getting email attachments and i know we're going to talk about email later on a future shortcuts mm-hmm. but uh i've done this myself in the past i've opened an attachment i've done a bit of work on it and then i just hit save i didn't hit save as and then i realized i don't know where the attachment's gone <laughs> so it's really important isn't it that people save as i suppose as soon as you open an attachment yes definitely email attachments for some reason um they're in this kind of no man's land on the computer. They're in this. They're saved in this temporary area when you open them. And if you don't actually save it yourself uh, in a place where you can retrieve it again, or maybe if you needed to edit it, um, it it's impossible to find. So you might actually be sent a form. Maybe somebody attaches a form to an email, and you have to fill out the form. Please, please um, try and save the attachment. To into your folders somewhere first, maybe even change the name, put your name on it or something, and then all your work filling out that form will be saved somewhere in a place where you can retrieve it much easier. Okay, uh, as always, you can send your uh, emails to, if you have questions for Sharon or ideas for our shortcuts feature, to uh, technologypodcast.ncbi.ie. Sharon, for the moment, as always, thank you very much. Thanks, Stuart. You may remember-
remember last September on our technology podcast, I spoke with a gentleman by the name of Daniel Novak. He was living and working in the Czech Republic and with a number of colleagues, they had developed a piece of software called Blindshell, which ran on an Android device. Well, I had an occasion to catch up with Daniel this year at the Site City Assistive Technology Exhibition in Frankfurt because there's been some changes to Blindshell and I started by asking Daniel what's happening. So at the moment we prepared a special box, special package. So it's very nice and on the surface there is a braille so everybody could read it, what we are offering. If you open the box, immediately you can get very brief help. So it's a, it's a, again a text with the braille, it says long press the power button to access help. Okay. So immediately every user knows how to access a help if needed. So you've modified an existing Android device, is that right, and put a Braille overlay on it? Well, we just only put the Braille on the, on the packaging, right? Okay. Just to make it easier for users. Okay. But uh, the whole tr- the, the software is more or less the same like in the last year. We just added four small uh, four small features. So we got what is new. We got the magnifier class. We got banknote recognition. We got a calculator, and we are very proud to integrate the book bookshare solution. Oh wow! And you also have the, the the features you would have talked about before, like the SMS and, and contacts and, and all email. the basics, okay. and even the color recognition. The color recognition, right. okay. So if someone buys, because the software was about fifty euros last year, if someone wants to buy the phone, how much? What sort of price do you sell the phones at? Okay, now the uh, the price is about one hundred seventy nine euros. It's an end, end price, okay? Okay, and that, that includes the phone that, and That includes chain. the phone, blind chain, and also the headset. And is the software still available on, on its own in the Play Store? The software is somehow available, but uh, we cannot assure not uh, we cannot assure like the new feature the, fully the, functioning. The compatibility, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, compatibility sure. because very, okay. they are really very optimized. So I suppose phones. I suppose if people had queries, the best thing is to contact you before they buy a phone. You know, I'm thinking that people in Ireland might buy a phone rather than buy the whole package, but they should check with you first, right? Yes, right, okay, exactly, right. exactly. Okay, um, so. Where can people get more information? They can uh, visit our website www.blindshell.com and they will, uh, can contact you over there, okay? No problem. Brilliant. Uh, thanks very much for talking to us, Daniel. Okay, thank you very much again. Have a nice day. You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for June 2015. As you can tell, I'm not in studio. I'm in the Radisson Blue Hotel in Dublin, and I've come here for a community event to launch DigiPlace for All. Now, we've talked about DigiPlace for All previously on this podcast. We've been speaking with Dr. Mark McGuinness from the Centre for Inclusive Technology and Dr. Esther Murphy. And today, the DigiPlace for All website, which came out of the DICE project, which NCBI are coordinating is being officially launched. We've had Senator Martin Conway here to launch the event and we'll hear from him very shortly. But right now I'm joined by one of the attendees, a familiar voice on our podcast, Martin Lawler. Martin, welcome. Thank you very much, sure. Good to have you back. What, Thank what's, you. what's this event been like for you so far? Because we're, we're kind of at the breakout stage. Um, it's, it's, it's been very interesting. Um, there's really uh, very good speakers. Um, I'm finding it really good. Um, I've just registered on 
from the site myself so I'm hoping to get involved just to help people with uh, some of the devices some of the devices that I use like the Victor Reader Stream the Plexstock Pockets and also the Blaze ZE and I hope to um, be able to access the site myself and if I needed support that I could um, get in touch with people that might be able to help me with stuff so I think it's 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 a really really good project I suspect their devices Martin that that you know they're, they're very specific to things like the stream uh, and and the blaze they're, they're things that people really would need you know quite specific support so having someone like yourself online strikes me as being really good yeah well I, I'm very familiar with, with the with the stream like it's again it's it's um, the interface is very tactile you know it's got it's got all the buttons the same with the with the blaze like the blaze has got um, all braille letters and then you have got the plex talk as well with the, with the numeric keypad so like they're really really easy to use all right fantastic well listen thanks for talking to us if we need help with the blaze or plex talk or indeed the victor stream we'll be online uh, to to chat to you okay sure uh, thanks martin thank you very much now earlier on senator martin conway launched the digi place for all platform let's have a listen to some of what he had to say I think it is fantastic. What it's doing is uh, it's bringing Irish people together and using modern technology to do it. Now, we all know Irish people love to communicate. We're probably the greatest personalities in the world. Uh, we have the ability uh, in terms of conversation and communication. Uh, we have what's known down my way as the gift of the gap. And like, by peer support and by uh, engaging with modern technology, in order to uh, utilize the, the, the raw materials which we have anyway as a, as, as a people uh, to help each other and uh, uh, to make life easier for each other and to break down barriers for everybody and to make our community a place where everybody has access to. Uh, I think that you know the initiative of bringing people together and doing that through technology is something that uh, is at its infancy. And I have to commend uh, Esther for pulling this together and I think it's going to be extremely exciting. I'm joined uh, here by another familiar voice to NCBI's technology podcast, Dave Mason. Dave, great to have you back. Thanks very much, Stuart. What's DigiPlace for All been for you so far or, or maybe where do you see the, um, the potential? I think it's been really good. I've been, um, what I wasn't sure of coming in here what I, or didn't realise we were going to be coming in here was the really wide range of uh, disabilities covered here. So we've had Dyslexia Association, Enable Ireland ahead, as well as NCBI, so I think it's really good to have that kind of wide range of views and uh, definitely having that kind of online support community I think it's really good potential if, it, uh, if people engage with it I think it could go really far. One of the areas that people have certainly been chatting I've been hearing people talk about today was this area of getting into employment and just maybe the, the, the support needed. Do you think DigiPlace for All would, would be a good forum for people who just might, might know where to ask for, for support? Yeah, that's exactly it. Sometimes you don't know what even you want to ask, number one, in a sense. Um, you don't know what you're looking for. And to be able to actually go on to a website like this and just say, I'm looking for employment. What is it I need to know? Or how should I tackle this question with employers or something like that? Getting advice on things like that could be, could be crucial to, to somebody seeking employment, I think. 
All right, brilliant. Dave, before we let you go, we couldn't we couldn't let you go without asking you because you've received the Apple Watch. Is it is it worth it? Should we get it? It's really nice. It's 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 only been two weeks, so still figuring out what I could actually do with it. Um, but it, it it's really cool. But I at this point, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you need one. But okay. I'm hoping maybe by version two, maybe we will because yeah, it's sure. definitely a, a very cool little device. I'll, I'll save my money for the moment then. <laughs> Dave, thanks a million for chatting. Thanks very much, Stuart. At the DigiPlace for All community event, I'm joined by another familiar voice. It's great to have all these familiar voices on one episode. Marcus Butner, welcome. Hi, how are you? Nice, I think, I think nice it's been to be a, here. Uh, nice to have you. I think it's been a little while since we spoke. Yeah. But uh, good to have you back. So tell me, you're, you're listed, I, I read your blurb last night, on the DigiPlace for All website as a champion. Yeah. What, what made you sign up? Um, I, I found this project really, really exciting. Or not found I find this project really exciting that um, what I would like to do is um, kind of help to set up the connection and the communication between the blind world and the sighted world because I've noticed recently that there's on the one hand side there is a lot of blind people who can't distinguish for example what is the stuff my screen reader does and what is actually Windows standard in terms of commands okay and then I've noticed that many sighted people are actually likely to confuse a blind person be it family members or friends you know saying like oh you have to let for example on my on my Mac if somebody says tells me you have to scroll down on the website in terms of screen reader interaction I scroll sideways yes you know and I would like to help to set up this communication make this communication better communicate to sighted, the sighted environment it's what a, really, a screen reader does. It's a really interesting point because when 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 we use the when we use the web as screen reader users everything is linear, isn't it? Top to bottom and, and you don't maybe care yeah. exactly where things are on the screen, but sometimes it is very important to have some knowledge yeah. of that. And especially this applies to um, to yeah to the blind community as well to be to be aware that there is a world outside the screen reader. Marcus, thanks as always for chatting to us and we look forward to engaging with you as the champion on DigiPlace for All. Thanks very much. Nice talking to you. Now, it's always nice to meet attendees at events like this, members of the public, interested uh, people with disabilities who've come along to find out what it's all about. One such man is John Reynolds, who I've just learned is a regular listener to our podcast. John, you're very welcome. Well, on occasions. On occasions. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, very nice to have you. <laughs> what have you. What are you sort of interested in finding out this morning? And I suppose we're, what, halfway through this event. Are you excited so far? Well, um, I see an awful lot of similarities between... Uh, the technology it would appear that dyslexia users would need and those maybe that might be used by people with perhaps a visual disability as well so that in itself is kind of interesting because I have uh, I have a nephew who suffers from dyslexia and uh, I I use uh, a screen reader if you like or at least I use Apple technology to help me with uh, using an iPad and what have you to uh, just read articles whatever if need be when my eyes get tired I just uh, you know I'd use the Siri voiceover to you know to read articles and whatever 
It's interesting because I, I sort of thought the same, and we're going to listen to the, the presentation from the Dyslexia Association in a moment, when, 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 when they were sort of speaking about the idea that screen reading technology, uh, in many cases where maybe spelling for people is an issue or grammar, yeah. you'll often hear the things that are, are possibly incorrectly spelt before you might see them. Indeed. Well, in my nephew's case, he's, he can verbally uh, describe or tell you exactly what he wants to, but when it comes to writing it, that's where he seems to get into difficulty and he gets terribly frustrated. Uh, it's all in the head, but he's not terribly good at putting it down on, okay. uh, in writing. So uh, the technology from that point of view, I think, is, is very interesting in his case anyway. And have you been on the website yet? Mm, I, I, I only got an email about this uh, was it two or three days ago and that's okay. my first time to come across it so it's, it's, it's a whole new experience for me being here and all the rest of it so. John thanks for taking the time to talk to us and Not I hope all. that uh, you'll find the website useful I certainly will thank all you right. Stuart you're welcome and that was John Reynolds now earlier this morning Harriet from the Dyslexia Association gave a really interesting presentation let's have a listen to some of what she had to say First of all, it's empowering, and that's you know a real key message um, for us at the Dyslexia Association. It puts the control in the hands of the service user, of the people that need the technology. It's not about um, an organisation like us saying um, this is what you need. It's about encouraging the people that use the technology and need it on a day-to-day -day basis to share their ideas and their experiences with each other. Um, again, so much of the assistive technology is down to personal preference. Um, particularly for dyslexia, like what works for one person with dyslexia might not work at all for another person. Um, everyone has very different needs and preferences and it depends on their situation, um, their, you know, their ability with technology, all, lots of different variables. Um, and then the site allows people to share their stories uh, of what's worked for them. It then might work for somebody else. Um, it also allows them to share what hasn't worked for them and why not. Um, so it really is just you know, promoting sort of the range of choice and you know, the range of options that are out there now. It's welcoming, it's confidential, and it's non-judgmental. Um, and as I say, it's the way for individuals to give and receive support from each other. That was Harriet from the Dyslexia Association speaking earlier on today at the Digi Place for All community launch. We're still here and I'm joined by Brendan from Deaf here. Brendan, thanks for chatting to us today. No matter, Stuart. Where do you see Digi Place for All in the lives of people who are hearing impaired or deaf? Um, well, I think uh, our main interest is in, in improving uh, the number of uh, deaf and hard of hearing students at, uh, who are attending and, and, and being successful at third level education. Um, in recent years, uh, uh, the AHEAD reports have shown that, in fact, deaf and hard of hearing students as a group are the only category of students with disabilities who've actually decreased in terms of the number of them at third level. We don't know precisely why the numbers have gone down, despite there being supports or additional supports in place 
but we believe it's because um, quite anecdotally anyway we know quite a number of uh, young people who've gone to college and dropped out and part of the reason for that is uh, for some of them was that they, they, they were managing reasonably well in school they had supportive teachers they, the listening environment in a classroom mightn't be ideal but you know your teacher can put you at the front of the class they know you've got a hearing loss your friends in the class know but uh, in a, when they go to third level they're totally unprepared for this whole new environment where you're going into large lecture theatres uh, many more students a lot of background noise uh, you don't know anyone and all of a sudden you can't hear and access what's going on yeah. okay. so, so maybe in the, on the, in the context of the DigiPlace for All platform there could be this peer support uh, either remote or, 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 um, or face to face well absolutely um, you know we, 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 we think for example that students uh, who are deaf or hard of hearing many of them don't disclose their hearing loss when they're going to third level you know young people do like to be independent and that's a good thing um, and very often they have managed reasonably independently in the school system at, in secondary school and so on so they don't want to all of a sudden declare I need support or they may not even be aware uh, of the new challenges that are going to take place in third level so having something like DigiPlace for All we can cre help create not just the awareness around it but also a support uh, uh, system uh, so that people can you know get in contact with people who've been there done that and, and can be alerted and supported through the challenges Alright, Brendan, thank you so much for chatting to us today You're very Appreciate welcome, it. That was Brendan from Deaf here Now, earlier on today ahead, the Association for Higher Education Access and Disability talked about the WAM programme Let's have a listen to some of that presentation given by Shauna from ahead In 2005, so 10 years ago the employment programme is celebrating our 10 year anniversary we basically realised that all of these people we've managed to help get through college and come out with PhDs and firsts were simply not getting into the workplace. We couldn't work out why. The students with disabilities were very willing, they were very able, and the employers were very willing to be able to employ these people with disabilities, but they just didn't seem to be coming together. So to find a solution to all of this, we set up an event, a networking event, similar to this here today, in the Mansion House, with the kind support of Senator Martin Conway, who has been involved with the head for a long time. And we pretty much got all of the employers and all of the graduates together to find out what the problem really was. The employers were saying, well look, we have jobs. People are applying for them, so why aren't they getting the jobs? The students with disabilities were saying, yes, we're applying, but we're being graded on things like part-time jobs that we might have had during college, which we just simply didn't do because of the, the impact of our disability was being so difficult to be able to get through college, we didn't get our you know, 20 hours a week in a part-time shop. So we realised that there were more going on in the background, and the attitudinal barriers were huge, let alone the technology barriers as well. So we got them all together and we decided to set up the WAM programme. As I said, we're 10 years old this year, we're going from strength to strength. What we really do is bring people together, like this, at networking events, four networking events for our employers throughout the year, and we support all of the, all of the graduates to be able to give them information as to how to overcome any of those barriers. What we also do is we provide a mentoring program as well, whereby those students with disabilities who are starting out in the workplace are able to get support from someone who's in the workplace and to be able to guide them through all those various various levels within the employment side. So somebody to ask where to go, who's going to sort out their payment, and how they can get the supports that we would help them provide. So we go in there, we do a needs assessment with the employer, and we put the supports 
in there. Most of those supports are often very small, and often they're just one piece of technology. What we find sometimes is that the biggest barriers are small ones, and it might be something that the employer might see as being insurmountable. So what we would do would be link them in with another employer. So Obama employer who's been working with us for 10 years, who's been employing people with disabilities for 10 years, they're able to speak to somebody who's just coming on stream and who might know how to be able to employ somebody and how to make those first steps to, be, to become an inclusive employment environment. I've caught up with Claire Shorten, uh, vision impaired and attending university at present. Claire, welcome to our podcast. Hello, Stuart. Thank you. Now, you're a, a student and, and you've just completed first year. What will DigiPlace for All mean for you? Um, DigiPlace for All will mean for me um, to not only learn more about um, um, assistive technology, but also to help other people, you know, to maybe show them that, geez, you can go to college, you can do this, you can do that, and just spread the word about different types of devices that might do different people. What's, what's it like at the moment trying to find, let's say pre-DigiPlace uh, for All, trying to find the support within a university? Is it is it easy right now for someone who's, who's blind? I'm in Minute at the moment and I just think the support services is brilliant. Um, you know, I don't feel overwhelmed with any work because they give you as much as they can do and even if they don't know or have heard of a certain device before, they will actually learn it themselves, you know, to help you. Okay. So I think it's great, yeah. So we look forward to your contributions on DigiPlace for All. Yeah, check me out Actually. on DigiPlace. <laughs> right, Claire, thanks so much for chatting to us. No That's worries. Claire Shorten. Now, Walk are a peer support group based in County Louth, and Gronia from Walk spoke earlier at the seminar. Let's have a listen to what she had to say. Just to give you a little bit of a background of Walk, because obviously to set the context of why um, DigiPlace for All is something that we're very, very interested in. Um, WOC was uh, established in 1967 and it was as a response to a need for community-based services for people with intellectual disability. Um, over the last number of years, the organisation has expanded considerably and we have adapted our service offering or the supports that we provide, both to fit changes in, in, in you know, the way the world works now, but also to ensure that what we're doing really fits with our core belief of real equality for all. Our vision is of an inclusive society or communities value and treat all people as equal citizens. And at the very beginning of the day, Senator Martin Conway said that collaboration was so important, and that's what DigiPlace for All is about, it's about collaboration. But to achieve real equality, we have to all work together. So collaboration is extremely important in the work that we do in WOG and in DigiPlace for All as well. Um, sometimes to achieve equality, we need to put some supports in place and within WOG organisation, we try to encourage these supports to happen within the community, in natural settings, and in such a way that the people we work with feel empowered to develop independence and to live self-determined lives themselves. So, um, you know, again, breaking down the barriers, when people support each other, they have their actual lived experience that actually is much more effective than being supported by somebody who's maybe a paid supporter, um, doesn't necessarily know what life is like for you. Um, obviously education and employment, they're inherently important in the development of independence and showing that all people with disabilities are viewed and treated as equal citizens. So WALK Peer Programme, which I lead, um, is one of the support services developed by WALK to achieve this. It, the peer part of it stands for providing equal employment routes and in WALK Peer 
we work with young people aged 16 to 24 and it's around gaining access to mainstream employment, education and training opportunities. So obviously we work in a very similar setting or in a very similar field to what DigiPlace for All is trying to achieve as well, which is using digital technology to ensure that people get the same opportunities as their peers. I've caught up with a slightly familiar voice to our technology podcast. He was here last year, Daniel O'Mahony from the National Braille Production of Child Vision. Welcome back, Daniel. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, we're, we're kind of nearing the end of this event, I suppose. People are moving out. What has DigiPlace for All been for you, and I suppose maybe more broadly speaking, for Child Vision? Yeah, I think it's a great um, online peer support community where it can really benefit um, all users of technology, which really means everybody these days. Um, and hopefully uh, children um, will be able to utilise the service um, to help them uh, get familiar with different aspects of technology that they can use as they get older and uh, contribute to uh, their growing up and their learning and just participation in society as a whole. I've caught up with Dr. Blaheen Gallagher, previously appeared on our podcast about two years ago, I think. Um, Blaheen, welcome back. Thanks, Stuart. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. Uh, you know, DigiPlace for All, and I know you as a researcher, must be a kind of an interesting addition maybe to your to your research arsenal, possibly? Well, I think DigiPlace for All has great potential, Stuart. In particular, I think it has potential for those people with disabilities who are afraid to come forward and speak out, that they can explore the possibilities of support that are available to them. And then, as I said at my table, it then may open the doors for them to go and seek support overtly. And I think that's going to be one of the key issues of uh, DigiPlace for All. There was some really positive feedback today, wasn't there? Sort of people uh, at the breakout sessions, and I know you were um, hosting one of those. But people are excited, aren't they? In fact, the energy uh, was really, really strong in here today. There were so many people excited about it. People were doing constructive criticism rather than in many things you have people complaining and giving out. But you could see that they saw this was this had been devised and developed in consultation with users and all of the users' issues, where possible, have been taken into account. So I think it's a really good example of potential universal design. I'm joined for the very first time on our technology podcast by, hopefully, who will be a familiar voice to many people, Elaine Howley, our NCBI Services CEO. Elaine, welcome to our technology podcast. Thanks, Stuart. Nice to have you here at last. At last, indeed. Um, tell us, from, from, from NCBI's perspective, and I suppose from the, the broader range of services and indeed service users that we work with, what does DigiPlace to All mean and what does this event mean today? I think NCBI and other organisations like NCBI really need to take on board the whole value of peer support. For, for many years, you know, we've been delivering services directly to people, uh, working, you know, offering, providing services. And I think, you know, there's a huge value in the uh, the knowledge and the experience. And what, what came to be known by me when I was involved in a peer counselling programme as insider knowledge. And I don't think organisations like us make the best use or give enough value or credence to the insider knowledge that people who live with a disability, whatever that is, have. They have a lived experience, they have an understanding. And I think organisations like ours should be the facilitators, the the catalyst, the, the, the way that people can engage with each other and, and learn from each other and DigiPlace for All does that but it does it in a way that's current. A lot of people are now communicating, Every everyday life is based on digital communication and I think this is a fabulous opportunity for people to share experiences over the over the net, I suppose, if that's the, 
that's probably not the correct technology, but, but through the website. Well, we're almost at the end. In fact, we are at the end of this wonderful DigiPlace for All community event. And really, the person behind this event is Dr. Esther Murphy from the Centre for Inclusive Technology. Esther, I, I, I have no doubt you're exhausted, so we're going to keep this brief. But first of all, thank you for arranging such a positive uh, event and, and for creating some really great energy today. Thanks very much, Stuart. Actually, I'm not exhausted at all. I kind of get energised from the buzz, you know. It's okay. been a great day, a lot of positivity, so I get a bit of energy from that. It's been brilliant meeting people that you've been in touch with, you know, on email and on the phone um, in the last months, building the community. So it's brilliant to meet people face-to-face and, um, you know, meet your champions that have been promoting um, the community within their local communities. So it's been a pleasure, really. So, so, so you've created this community today. You've, you've kind of, you've, you've really got people excited. People are registering. Everyone's been talking about this today. The amount of people I've been interviewing. What, what would you like to see happen next? People are going off today, obviously registering. What's the next step? I guess the next step will really depend um, on where those people are at themselves in education, in transition to employment, whether they're in employment, whether they're working as a service provider, an educator. It really will depend on the context um, of each individual. But really it's to spread the word, spread the message um, about the community, what we offer um, in terms of support with digital skills and technology and um, grow the community to help us flourish DigiPlace for All. All right, and so say all of us. Esther, thank you so much for talking to us and for hosting and arranging such a great event. For people listening, we have put the details of DigiPlace for All on our show notes. Remember, you can access that website, www.digiplaceforall.eu. Many thanks to everybody who took part in my DigiPlace for All report. I must say I thoroughly enjoyed attending the community event that uh, Esther and Mark and, and, and their colleagues put together. And I suppose also putting together that report because it just made me realise how excited everybody is about this new online platform. We strongly encourage you to check it out. If you think you can contribute an area of expertise or there's something you think you can offer support with, please do sign up and follow the instructions on the website. And we do hope that this can be a platform through which people can share, I suppose, experiences and get and give support. So thanks to everybody for uh, getting involved and supporting my little package uh, for that day. It was a a really powerful event and well done to everybody who uh, put it all together. Now, we're nearly at the end of this month's podcast, but I want to leave you with something very powerful and we're staying on an education vein for just a moment. Because on the 21st and 22nd of May in Dublin Castle, there was an event called Excited, the Digital Learning Festival. It's all about how digital technology is used in education throughout Ireland. It offers a space for teachers, learners, academics, researchers and tech companies to showcase what they are doing and to create emerging ripples of action that create change. Well, NCBI were excited, using that word, to be involved in a very indirect way in this event. But our involvement fades into insignificance when I play for you a very short 
audio piece from a video which is available online, which we're putting on our show notes page, which features Daniel Daly, an NCBI service user down in County Offaly. I was fortunate enough to meet Daniel uh, last week down in Athlone. He's an absolutely sound guy and he's a bit of an expert with the Braille note, as you're about to hear. Have a listen. My name is Valerie Daly and I'm the teaching principal in Clotham National School in County Offaly. We are very lucky to have um, Daniel Daly in our school. He's visually impaired and has been so since he was um, in senior infants. I am currently his class teacher and we use um, many types of assistive technology to help him in his learning. He also uses uh, the Perkins Brailler um, in his everyday life so he can braille out his own work and work at his own pace. Daniel uses many different types of assistive technology. Um, his braille note is one of the main things that he uses. He has access to the internet on that. Um, he can email his homework into school. I can give him instant feedback on how he's getting on. This is my braille note over here and I use it for... Um, writing stories, reading emails and sending emails, looking up stuff on the internet, for, on Google, for getting visual display. I use it for the time. Um, email. The, the brain note, it came from England and it's used, he used it for playing games and used for emailing, music, um, internet, and he, he, it just brings it everywhere now. Open the document, folder date. Well, the best thing about the Breno is, I suppose, like, I can carry it pretty much anywhere, and I can do pretty much anything on it. I could play a game or do a story, and if there was internet and I, if I had the password and all the right um, settings, I could go send emails and look up stuff on the internet. He can write, he loves writing stories and it has a dictionary on it. If he doesn't spell something right, it corrects him, and you have to keep going until you get the proper spelling. I suppose if I didn't have the Braille, I'd have to use the Perkins Brailler all the time, and it's not as quick as the Braille note. And if I made a mistake, I'd have to rub it out and go go all over it again. It's just it kind of smudges the paper. And with the Braille note, I can just click... um, the delete button on a word and it's gone. I can just write it all over again really quickly. The technology has changed only for NCBI. It has made such a difference to Daniel's life and thanks to them that they have involved us and him. There have been, there has been lots of talk that Braille is being replaced by technology and to a degree, uh, yes it has been, but I think Braille can complement technology and here's an example of digital braille being used very successfully and, and in, a, in a number of schools around the country being used very successfully and something that we at NCBI promote and I suppose as somebody who's blind myself and working in NCBI I promote passionately and we want to see that happening more and more. Um, I'm going to Banner Secondary School. I think it goes with me because there's a boy in there by the name of Jordan Mahoney and I think he's bringing his to St Joseph's when he goes next year. The future for people like Daniel is very exciting. I, I mean, I think in NCBI we never cease to be amazed, not just at what the technology can do, but what kids around the country are making it do that we, that we haven't thought about, which is, which is fantastic.
Well, what a lovely way to end this podcast episode. That was Daniel Daly uh, talking all about the Braille Note and how it means so much to him in school. And indeed, it's great to see his teacher's understanding of the technology and the school supporting him to use it in that mainstream environment. I consider it a very lucky part of my job that I get to visit schools occasionally and to watch how people use digital technology and to see the support and the embracing of Braille by uh, sighted teachers and support workers. So it's all wonderful. And I'm putting the link, by the way, to that video on our show notes if you want to, to view it or share it on your social media or do what you will. And again, major congratulations to Daniel and thanks to Kieran O'Connor from the uh, video production company who, who made that film for allowing us to use the audio on our podcast. Now, that's just about it. Thanks, of course, to Sharon Lyons, as always, for Sharon's shortcuts. And thanks to everybody who participated in our DigiPlace for All interviews. We're back in July, amongst other things. We'll have Salim Rahman, who's talking about Apple's WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference, which takes place next week. And I'm sure there'll be lots of big announcements to discuss. Until July, this is Stuart Lawler saying thank you for listening. Have a great month and take care. Bye-bye.